This is a unique podcast exploring the criminal justice system and those involved and affected. We'll educate and expose the public as well as potential jurors to what takes place behind the scenes of those who are facing the system. Your host owns a litigation support firm called Justice Technology Professionals, and he works on criminal and civil cases offering support to defendants and counsel. What you're about to hear is an open dialogue opening the minds to the public to what takes place in reality as opposed to what you think takes place ladies and gentlemen welcome to the justice tech pros podcast here's your host dominic crea hello listeners hope everybody's enjoying this uh, beautiful saturday well those we're located in New York anyway. It's a beautiful day today. Uh, I had some time in between some uh, errands, I guess, I'm uh, getting done this weekend. I, uh, for those who care, I was uh, <laughs> hosing down some cushions. Got to get that floor cleanup done. So they got to dry. So I said, you know what, let me do something. I'm one of those people. Got to always be working on something, doing something. Keeps the mind busy. So I figured let me get an episode in there. Uh, today I wanted to talk about a couple things. Some of them are uh, relevant to a lot of what's going on in YouTube, where it relates to the different informants being platformed and telling their tales, and some isn't related to that. So I'll go through. I'll go over different uh, topics today. One thing I was thinking about, and I, and I talked about it, and I was trying to think of a way how it could be used to possibly help or how it could be utilized, being it is something that's so negative, I always try to see, well, how can you use that to help somebody? And it's the same with, like, the informants. You know, they're on the podcasts. Uh, I, I've won over time and again how those things could be used and how they are used to help defendants. So th- this item fell into that category, and I was wondering how it could be used. And what I'm referring to is a lot of times in comments, whether it's on YouTube channels, whether it's in uh, forums that discuss certain genres, you'll get a lot of comments, which I I touched on, uh, where you see what society or certain members of the public are really all about. And they'll, they'll make comments such as, well... They deserve, if they're talking about a defendant, they'll say, well, they deserve to be in there any, anyway, even regardless if they're guilty or not. Uh, comments like that, calling people names, insulting people, just based on what their reputation is, and the person doesn't align with whatever they're accused of being a member of, if they're accused of being a member of an organization, and somebody's against that, you know, teach his own. But now, how can you use those, those remarks? Because a... Jura is supposed to leave that at the door, right? They're not supposed to carry that over into the courtroom. They're there to do a duty, and they have a responsibility, and that both of those obligations require to judge the case based on the evidence at hand and how it impacts each defendant that may be in front of them. So they have the job, very important job, of one of the most important jobs I could even think of. You're you're deciding on somebody's fate, so you have to take it seriously. So they have the job of making sure that they listen, they observe, and they weigh the evidence versus the charges. Not, Not based on reputation, not based on, well, it could be. People seem to forget that there's something called reasonable doubt threshold. 
you have to be convinced beyond a reasonable doubt. And I know for a fact many jurors aren't doing that because I've sat in cases or worked with cases where there was nothing but reasonable doubt presented, and yet they still voted to convict. So it's hard to believe that 12 people felt on a lot of these trials that individuals were guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And forget about what I'm involved in. Just think on a whole, think of all the people who got found guilty who were innocent. And then years later, it came out they were 100% innocent. Whether it was due to DNA, whether it was due to false confessions, whether it was due to lying informants. There's been cases after cases. I don't have to tell my audience that. They're all well aware of that. There's a lot of exonerees that come out after the fact where they lost 20 years, 10 years, 30 years of their life to then finally be vindicated, but... What does that really do? They already lost all that time, had their reputation destroyed. So it's important to try to, the first line of defense on that is the jurors. It's us, it's society. We're the first line of defense to prevent that. So how can you prevent that? You got to make sure that you're, you're judging things with an unbiased eye, right? And you're, and you're going by what's being presented and you're listening, you're not zoning out, you're taking notes. They give all jurors a pen and pad or pencil and pad to take notes so they don't forget certain important, relevant details. So when I see all those comments, I think to myself, well, how could they be used? One idea I had, and I don't know how it will play out, but it will be something I'll definitely bring up in the future on uh, future trials. Some of the cases that my firm just got assigned with that may go to trial, it will be something to keep in the back burner. And at the time, if everybody's in agreement, we could use it. What I'd like to do is actually show the jurors all of those comments. Read each one out loud. All these negative comments saying, well, they deserve to be in there, they should go. I would read each one, and I would tell each juror. Now, this is how society thinks. This is how some members of society think. If this is the way you're going to judge this case you need to excuse yourself from this panel. You cannot use this ideology. You cannot use the philosophy, well, if they're not guilty of something, uh, if they're not guilty of this, they're guilty of something, we're going to convict based on that. I would really drive that point home, and I would use all those comments to help the defense. Use all the ignorant comments from people who don't know how the justice system works, or for people who don't care how it works. And you need to appeal to that jury. You need to appeal to them on a human level and explain to them this could be your uncle, aunt, brother, sister, son, whatever it may be. And if the system works based on these comments, then we have a failed, there's a fracture. And we, and it's your job, ladies and gentlemen, to make sure that fracture doesn't exist within this trial. And I would bring up about how many people get wrongfully convicted based on statements like that and beliefs like that. And I try to always think of how things could be used and how they could be introduced to give the jury something to think about. And I do believe if you show that to the juror, each juror individually as you're, as you're talking to them and you're addressing them as a whole, but it, they are relating to it on an individual level. You could even use some visuals, put it up on a screen, put it up on uh, projection. They use that sometimes in the courtrooms. Uh, the attorneys are allowed to use whatever tools they want to make the presentation. So even if you want to show the comments and go right through them and read them, 
Just something to drive home the point that if you believe this way, if you believe people should be found guilty simply because of reputation, simply because they're accused of being part of this secret society or of a gang or whatever it may be, you can't convict them based on that. It is your job to weigh the evidence. So the government is going to try to muddy up the water and make you think, well, if you believe they're a member, then you have to believe they're guilty. You have to break through that barrier. You have to explain to the jury that's not how it works. They have to be guilty based on the evidence. They have to be built guilty based on how the law is applied. And you have to go through that. And you have to go through each charge. And I do feel that presenting that and reading those comments where you could use that against, not against the people in the courtroom, but use it against that societal viewpoint and bring, bring a spotlight on that and show what kind of damage that train of thought could have to somebody's life, perhaps it will impact the jury. Again, I'm not saying it's foolproof. I'm not saying it's going to work. But what harm does it do to bring that out in the open, to expose it, to let them see what goes on in those forums and in those chats and on social media and on YouTube? And who knows, maybe one of the jurors are one of the people who talks like that. Or leaves comments like that. Maybe you'll flush them out. Maybe they will excuse themselves. You don't know what's going to happen. You just don't know. Or maybe they'll be nervous that uh, if they are in those boards, they are active in those boards, the way they truly feel will be exposed. You don't know. It's all guessing. But my point is you don't focus on that. You simply bring attention to it. You simply highlight it. And you explain to the jury panel, this is what takes place. This is how people believe. There's a lot of that on Reddit, a lot in public forums. There's uh, Reddit groups that talk about cases, talk about people. And you show all those things. And you let them know you cannot be one of these people. You cannot judge this case the way that these individuals are speaking. You can't convict somebody based on reputation or believing they may be, possibly not. And remind them about reasonable doubt. I feel that'll be impactful. I feel it'll it'll make somewhat of a difference and it'll also spotlight what does go on behind the scenes when these cases are going to trial, all of these things that are in the public. And I, I at the same token, I would probably highlight how it's been in the news, it's been in the media. You have to leave all of that narrative at the door. You have to almost pretend you never came across these headlines as hard as it may be. You have to give these defendants a, a fair shot and a clean slate. Let the government protect, uh, present their case. Let the defense present their case. Go through the evidence. See what the government has that they're trying to claim is tied to a certain defendant. And see what the defense's rebuttal is to that. Take the time to listen. Don't make up your mind. Don't be closed-minded when you're sitting on that panel. You could do a lot of damage. You could put innocent people away. And again, I'm not talking about anything specifically, just on a whole. Think about it. All the wrongful convictions. At the very least, anybody with common decency does not want somebody who's innocent of charges to be convicted. I mean, a lot of these people in the groups do because they don't maybe agree with a lifestyle, agree with the things they've done in the past, so they want them to constantly pay for past mistakes or past actions or past crimes. And in their mind, they just feel it doesn't matter. It's a means, means to an end. But that's not how the law, law works. That may be your personal opinion. 
But if you're signing up for a jury and you're going to serve on that panel, you have an obligation to you, the, the criminal justice system to make sure that what was intended by the forefathers and written in the Constitution plays out in the courtroom. You do have that obligation. A lot may not want to abide by it, but the reality is they need to. They signed up for that when they decided to sit on a jury. And they decided to take the case and they made a promise that they will be fair. And they, they made a promise that they will hold the government to the standard of reasonable doubt. That's why the burden of, of proof is on the government. Everybody's innocent in theory to proven guilty, right? So if you're following those guidelines and you're following how it's supposed to play out, and I've talked on past episodes about Lady Justice and how she has those blindfolds on for a reason. You're supposed to be blind in the eyes of the law. You're supposed to not have any judgment when you're weighing a case, when you're weighing the facts, when you're weighing the evidence. And that's a powerful symbol, but people forget that. And I actually had a uh, image commissioned a while back, and it's been on different media outlets and social media and whatnot. I had somebody digitally create a, a picture which was powerful where you have Lady Justice sitting on the court steps. She's holding um, my company's logo and tears are coming down from her eyes as she's holding it. And it's just to symbolize that things are taking place which were not intended the way they should be in the eyes of the law and the ways of in the eyes of Lady Justice Things are happening on a grand scale that should not be. People are being found guilty that are innocent. There's exonerations every day. You can read about them all over the place. So the last line of defense is the people. And that's why I created this channel, to address the people. As time goes by, I'm closing in on two years doing this. Maybe I'll get some individuals who will be serving on a jury, who, who will be taking that responsibility on and, and hopefully... What I say on here resonates a bit, and it allows them to look at things with an open mind and judge a case based on the evidence of the case, not based on anything else, based on the facts, based on what's in front of them, and based on the threshold of reasonable doubt. They cannot have any doubt in their mind at all. They have to be 100% convinced that person is guilty. And that's why it's guilty and not guilty, not guilty and innocent, because you're not saying a person's innocent. You're saying that the case did not prove their guilt. That's what you're saying. The case the government put on or the state put on did not prove in your mind that that person was guilty 100% beyond a reasonable doubt. And people need to be able to make that determination and understand the difference between guilty and not guilty. And perhaps they could make peace with that knowing, okay, I may not think this person's innocent, but they're definitely not guilty of these charges. And the right rendering of a verdict can be found by analyzing all those things. You'll know in your gut what's the right way to cast your vote. Once you weigh all of those items, once you weigh reasonable doubt, once you weigh the fact that you're saying guilty or not guilty, you're not saying guilty or innocent, I believe everybody, when they search themselves and they weigh those things internally, they'll vote in the right manner. Unfortunately, it just doesn't take place because people don't do that. They vote based on a lot of the other uh, ideas that they hold internally 
that they may or may not be aware of that is muddying up their judgment on that case. And they need to try to fight through that, clear the way, clear the path, and give the defendants in front of them a clean slate and hear everything presented in real time. Take your notes, hear it all, and then cast your vote based on that. I wanted to segue into another idea or narrative that's been discussed or harped on recently within the YouTube realm with a certain informant podcast where they're getting, I guess, upset. I don't know if that's the right word or they're getting uh, sensitive to the fact that certain podcasters are maybe telling lies about their past or about their story or about uh, their history and podcasters are getting information inaccurate. Now, I'm not saying whether that's true or not. I'm sure it does exist because just turn on YouTube, you see a lot of inaccuracies. But what I will say is this. I find that a little bit hypocritical because I'm sure if you talk to a lot of the families and you talk to the defendants that these informants were up against, testified against, told stories about, or even tell stories about on their podcast, I'm sure the defendants, family members, friends would say the same thing to them. They would say to them, well, why are you telling lies about this defendant? Why are you telling lies in the courtroom? Why are you making up things that never happened? Why are you making up relationships? Why are you saying you know somebody you didn't know and then create lies about that person? I've dealt with that personally. We had that Frank Pesquale, he goes on podcasts making it like he knows people. He don't know who he's talking about. So how do you how do you counteract that? That's one example. As I'm not privy to every informant on podcast, I focus on the ones that somehow impact my life, whether professionally, personally, whatever it may be. That's who I focus on, and that's where I find the inconsistencies, and that's where I hear the blatant lies. So I'd have to be an idiot not to assume that the same takes place with a lot of these other informants. And when the family's members hear the lies they're telling and the inaccuracies they're telling, I I guess I, I have a problem with them complaining that podcasters and this and that are getting information wrong. Well, how about this? What does more damage? Podcasters getting information wrong on little details about your to- about your stories or a jury believing your lies and sending somebody away for the rest of their life based on you lying? Which is worse? I'd rather have podcasters telling lies about me. It's not that big a deal. It doesn't impact my livelihood. So I find that pretty telling that they're so concerned about inaccuracies being spread on their behalf, whether it's inaccurate stories or tales or what they did and didn't do. But yet, if you listen to all their podcasts, I'm sure family, friends, defendants have a list, a list of what they've been saying through the years that's completely inaccurate and are complete lies and complete tales. And they don't have a voice to fight back. So there are people out here, strangers, that just decided... Ah, this doesn't seem true. I'm going to call it out. This is inaccurate. I'm going to call it out. This contradicts what this informant said on episode one, but then on episode 10, he says this. I'm going to call it out. People are calling things out. Are they going to get everything right? Maybe not. But did you get everything right for the informants who lie about people and tell tales? Did you get everything right? Were you 100% honest? 
I know for a fact many weren't. Many that I'm working on weren't 100% honest. And I have the, the facts to back that up and to show the contradiction. So I can only imagine what other family members who were impacted by these informants on podcasts have to listen to and comb through and hear all these different lies and misstatements. So, I don't know. I mean, to me, once again, the hypocrisy runs deep because in one breath they're concerned about tales being spun on their behalf that are not accurate, yet they never check themselves about the tales they spun and told and tell time and again on these podcasts that impact people's lives forever and families' lives. Financially, emotionally, physically, they never want to take accountability, if you notice. It's never about what they're doing. It's about what everybody else is doing towards them. And this pushback, which is what I call it, started recently on the YouTube scale. And it's making a lot of waves. All my time listening to YouTube and hearing these things, I've never seen so much chatter about this type of stuff. And I've never seen so much... Uh, so many people getting upset, talking back, saying, don't abuse this informant, abuse that informant, why are you coming at this one? And it really just boils down to who they like. If they like an informant, they get really banged up if you go at that informant. That's really what it boils down to. They don't care about the facts. They don't care about who's lying. They don't care about if innocent people are put away because of it. They just don't want you going after their buddy. Well, their buddy shouldn't have went on the internet, created a platform, and started telling stories. And when people pick up on the lies and the inconsistencies in those stories, they can't get upset if people are calling them out or if people just don't like somebody. I spoke about that. Sometimes in life, you just don't like somebody. I'm sure there's a lot of people who just don't like me. Now ask me if that affects me in any way, shape, or form. I don't care about that. It's not why I created this platform. And I didn't create this platform to have... um, to have like an uh, interaction under the comments where people could fight with each other, abuse each other, abuse the channel, abuse the content. This is for people to learn what I put out. This isn't to be a bunch of uh, a gossip session. I didn't create a platform to gossip. I try to put out my experience and facts. So when I see attacking and nastiness, I told everybody on my staff, well, not everybody, there's only really two people that I have monitor this stuff, and I just told them, just get rid of it. It's not, that's not what this is about. If they have something legitimate that they're upset with, they can email me directly. I'll address it directly. I like to address things one-on-one and know who I'm talking to. Random people saying stuff, that doesn't mean anything. You want to have a debate about it? You want to have a discussion about it? Contact me. All my information's out there. I'm not hidden. I'm not hiding nowhere. Everything's out there. You could contact me very easily. You could call me. You could stop at my office. You could send me an email. I'll make time to die. I stand by what I say. I mean what I say, and I say what I mean, and I stand by it. So I have no problem with that. But to, I'm not going to allow a, a platform for random stupid comments or if somebody don't agree with something to try to abuse it. Go do that in the forums. There's all forums for that. You could knock me... Create a forum and go to town. Uh, destroy whatever you want to destroy on the show. I don't care, but I'm not going to create a platform for that. That's not what it's about. I, I try to touch on serious issues that affect people's lives. I try to help 
those listening where perhaps they could put on a better defense themselves. They could talk to the defense team, be a little more involved, and make sure that what's being put on is the best defense possible. That's what I try to create here. And along the way, I've met some nice people, good people. Uh, I've met some characters. I've met them all. That's how it goes. That's what happens when you open yourself up to the public. I, I said it time and again, I was pleasantly surprised at a lot of the people I met. I, I really believed, I still believe I'm in the minority with a lot of ways I look at, with how I look at things, but there are like-minded individuals. And when like-minded individuals come together, they're able to focus on what they have in common and, and perhaps put out messages that go along that, that common ground that they found. So if I'm against lying informants and somebody else is against lying informants and they're putting out content along those lines to, to, to show and expose inconsistencies, yeah, I'm going to support that. And that's another thing I notice people get nervous about. Uh, pe- people are always nervous. They're counting money. Oh, you, you sent a super chat here. You support that channel. You gave a donation here. Listen, where I'm from, it's called common courtesy. If somebody does something that I appreciate, I do what I can to show a gesture of appreciation. It doesn't mean I know this person. It doesn't mean I support what they do 100%. I have no idea. I don't have the time to do background checks on random people or somebody on the internet. I just don't have time for that. So if they do something that I feel is important and is on my behalf, they mention the show, they mention the uh, audio book, Guilt for the Guiltless, they're making people aware... You could bet your money I'm going to support them. And I have no qualms about that. People want to say I'm paying them. I'm do- I don't care. Interpret it however you want. I call it a donation of support. I support a lot of people in my time. I do what I can. If I see somebody in need and I'm in a position to help them, I'll do it. I don't, I, I don't talk about it. I don't dwell on it because I don't care. I do it for that person that's impacted. Or I do it as a level, uh, as a, as a symbol of appreci- appreciation, and in the way I can. I have a company. I have an allocated budget for certain things like that, where we try to support like-minded individuals, support a cause if there's a cause that we support, and that goes towards that. And I'll continue to do that, and I'll make no qualms about it. I'm upfront about it. Super chat show right up on the screen. So obviously, I stand by how I feel. So for those who are nervous about it and accounting money and why you sending this one money, well, I don't know. Go get somebody to send money for your cause. You got something, you got a channel you're working on, find somebody who believes in that. Let them give you money for what they believe in. People share things that I adhere to. They share my channel. They bring attention to it. They bring attention to the book. Yeah, I'm going to support it. Again, don't care who likes it, don't like it. Not here to make friends. Said it from day one, two years ago. Not here to make friends. And surprisingly, I made one or two that I do align with personally, and I think we could be friends if we ever did meet and interact. We have a lot in common. That's how friendships are built. So they, they, they like to blur the line. I notice a lot of people, if you support somebody, then they try to make it, well, you support everything they do. And they did this back in 1985. I have no idea. It's a simple gesture of appreciation. Nothing more. Now, you could make it whatever you want. You could write a book on what you think it could be. You could 
draw maps, draw connecting dots, whatever you want to do, whatever floats your boat, have at it. I'm telling you what it is. And if it was something else, I would tell that too, and I would stand by it. I stand by what I do. I stand by my actions. I, I'll give an example, and I made a post about it. I had my firm make a web page on Guilt for the Guiltless, and I was going to put up all different channels and platforms that shared the book. Now, I had a debate with somebody on there in the comments, and I didn't appreciate it. There's a lot of passive-aggressive comments, you know, typical trying to be tough over the computer, but doesn't have the nerve to address me directly, so they do it in the comments, so whatever. But I will say this, the dialogue, let me reflect a little, because I did start going to the different channels and looking up different things they were putting out, and inside, I was like, I really don't agree with that stuff, so maybe I shouldn't make a page dedicated, because I don't agree with a lot of those things. So then I decided, that, you know what, I'll show my appreciation in other ways. I'll support, I'll support a channel, I'll give them a like, I'll give them a sub, I'll give them a shout out. If they have um, a super chat, I'll send them something, or something like that to show my appreciation. But to commit on that level, where I was doing a website, I just felt it opened up the door. I uh, instructed someone to take it down because I just felt it opened the door where it, it, it uh, cements something. It, it, when I post somebody or something on a site that has important issues, I do have to make sure whoever I put on there is something I align with and their content is something I align with. And it's nothing specific. There was just a lot of different channels on there. Some of them did things I liked. Some of them did things I really don't like and I don't agree with. So internally... I wasn't comfortable with it. And that's the only thing I go by. I go by internally. I don't do things to please others. I don't care what anybody thinks. I search myself. I'm 44 years old. I'm confident in my decisions. I'm confident in the way I lead my life. That if something doesn't feel right, even a little bit, ah, you know what, it's not right. Take it down. That's how I make my decisions. So I may do something on impulse, trying to help or show appreciation. And upon reflection, I may change my mind because it's just not sitting well with me. So if it doesn't sit well with me, don't do it. That's how I live my life. Right or wrong, I don't know what to tell you, but that's how I do it. If in my gut, I'm just not that comfortable, okay, come up with an alternative solution that you're comfortable, you're able to get your point across, you're able to give a nod of appreci appreciation, and that's that, without having to commit. And that's what I did. And usually a lot of the people complaining are the ones who maybe have a channel and uh, didn't get a super chat or didn't get a donate. It's, it's usually along those lines. So what does that tell you? Where their money, where their head's really at, right? So I said what I had to say on that. I think I made my stance clear on that. I don't see how I could elaborate anymore. I think uh, those with a brain understand exactly what I'm, what I'm saying. So let me move on from that topic. And, you know, a lot of these informants, they like to say, oh, these people don't know me, they don't know me. And that's true. A lot of these people don't know you. But how about the defendants? How well did you know them? I know personally, a lot of these informants didn't even know defendants they were testifying. They were only testifying based on what they heard on hearsay. And I did a whole episode on hearsay and how there's exceptions to hearsay. There's 13 exceptions. And put it this way, either way, the court's going to get it in. They're going to try to slip it in under one of those exceptions. Because in one breath, they tell you hearsay is not allowed. But it is allowed if it meets one of the 13 exceptions. And then, boom, it winds up in the courtroom. So hearsay is allowed. 
So my point is I know firsthand informants who didn't know the defendants, but yet they're telling lies about them to put them away. And informants on YouTube are concerned about podcasters not knowing them and commenting about their life. Again, it goes back to my point. What's worse? Commenting on people you don't know and putting them away for the rest of their life based on lies or having some nasty disparaging remarks made about you on YouTube? I think the answer is pretty clear which one of those is worse. So I find that very ironic when they want to talk about these people don't know me, these people don't know me. Yeah, well, a lot of defendants weren't known either. And a lot of the tales you're telling are affecting defendants, affecting their families. What about, as you know, I house all of these informant episodes, whether they're related to cases I'm working on, whether they're not. We house them, we categorize them, we catalog, catalog them, and we keep them on hard drives. There's a lot of episodes from these informants where they're mocking people, people that they may have known, ex-friends or acquaintances, making blatantly making fun of them. I have several episodes where they're just ripping on a guy. He had like a nickname, and I don't even want to get into the nickname because I don't want to open that door. But the guy had a nickname uh, regarding like uh, facial hair, and uh, they were talking about making T-shirts with the nickname on it calling somebody dumb, they call people dumb, who's not smart, who doesn't have honor, time and again making disparaging, insulting remarks to people, time and again on all their episodes, episode after episode, the second they start getting a little taste of their own medicine, it's utter, utter chaos, utter chaos. And I invite, I know I know. now the big thing is uh, getting lawyers involved and getting this involved. I invite that. Have lawyers listen to every one of my episodes. I have no problem. Maybe, maybe the lawyers will learn something from some of my episodes. Maybe they'll be able to uh, defend their defendants a little bit more properly and put on a better defense. So have at it. They should listen to all the different episodes. They should hear everything everybody has to say. I'm a firm believer in hearing all sides. you got to hear all the sides to make your decision. Then you decide who's credible. Then you decide who's putting out facts and who's putting out fiction. You decide who's using citations that are legitimate to prove their point and who's using stories that they just remember but nobody else could back those stories up. So, I, I, again, listening to everything is very important. Hearing all the sides is very important. But if you notice, there's a big push for them to shut down the other side. They don't want anybody making fun of them. They don't want anybody pointing out inconsistencies. They don't want anyone listening to opposition. They're trying to stop that, trying to shut it down. They have their friends making nasty comments. You see it. I don't got to explain. Those who follow it anyway see it. And for those in my audience, I have a lot in my audience who don't follow this realm, and they tune in just for uh, the overall content of the system and how the system works. And for uh, those members of my audience, look at, it, look at it this way. You don't really need to know the ins and outs because the concept could be analyzed on a whole. Just look at the generality of it all. Look at the fact that if you're only hearing one side of the story and now somebody else pops up offering another take on it, and you get one of the parties on the opposite end of that really getting upset that there's another viewpoint being spoken about and being talked about. What sense does that make? 
Everybody has a right to give their opinion. Everybody has their right to give their side. You're going to go on a platform. You're going to go public. You're going to get people who are going to test you. You're going to get people who are going to push back on what you're saying. You're going to get people who are going to call out the lies you're saying. Now, you may swear that you're saying the truth. Well, guess what? The other side is swearing you're lying. So it's up to the viewer, the listener, and the subscriber to analyze both sides, weigh the facts, and then make the conclusion and determine who's telling the truth and who's not. We could all get on here. I could get on here every day and try to convince everybody, no, what I'm saying is the truth. Believe me, the way I say things is the right way. I don't do that. I'd be a moron to do that. I just give my viewpoint and then it's up to the listeners to decide. Let them hear everything. Let them say, okay, this is what Dominic had to say. Now let me go listen to Joe Blow and hear what he had to say. Now let me go over here and see what that had to say. Now let me read this submission that went into the court or these court records or these transcripts and let me see how it played out. Those are intelligent people. That's what they do. And that's why I don't mind. I have listeners listening to everything. They listen to informants. They listen here. They listen to entertainment. They listen to whoever they find enjoyable and whatever content they relate to or whatever content they want to hear more about. That's an intelligent person. They hear as many things as they can and then they make the determination. Some will, some will conclude that what I'm saying is accurate and they align with my way of thinking. Awesome. Some may conclude that what the informant's saying is accurate. Okay, that's how it goes. All we could do is give our piece, say our part, and then leave it to the listeners. But never once in two years have I ever come on here trying to convince anybody. I have my way of thinking, and I have my belief system, my code that I follow, my moral belief. Many people may think it's wacky. Look, I'll give you an example. I don't like channels that do documentaries, that do news reports, that do all that kind of stuff. I don't like channels like that. Why don't I like that? Uh, on certain genres, like if it's you know on organized crime base, let me be clear about that. And I'll tell you why. They're putting all those headlines back in the mix. All those headlines that people lived past through, they're giving them life again. All the narratives, all of the false stories focusing on individuals' lives, they're giving them life again. and family have to relive that again. So that's my way of dealing with it. I could go on and on, but I don't do that. That's my viewpoint. I don't agree with a lot of that stuff. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. That's my opinion. That's my opinion. People could say, ah, he's a moron. He don't know what he's talking about. Okay, I don't care. That's my opinion. The same way, I'm sure there's people on the opposite side who think those things are great. God bless you. You can only align with what's inside. And that's why I even feel informants are born, they're not made, because that's something that's inside of you. We all know who we are when we look in that mirror. We know what we could take, we know what we can't take, we know what we align with, and we know what we don't align with. That's how I look at things. Do I expect people across the globe to look at things the way I do? No. That's how you make friends in life. You wind up making your friend base based on, on a group of people who align with core beliefs and systems. And that's why I have a, a friend group. That's why I have family around me, people who care about me. That's what makes up a, 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 a true inner circle. Not, not Facebook friends or commenters or this and that. Don't get me wrong, they could develop into friendships. Who knows? I'll say it again. I had a lot of commenters. I had a lot of emails from people, people reaching out that, you know what, if I did meet them, I think we hit it off. I think we have a lot in common. 
think we'd have laughs and we'd have a, a good friendship. But that's not the scale that I'm concerned about when I'm on, on here. That's just an added benefit if it comes my way. But that's not what I'm doing here. I'm not on here to build a base of like-minded people who only think like me and I want to make new friends on here. That's not why I'm on here. If it happens, awesome. Great. Unexpected. Great. But that's not my cause and that's not my focus. And I had a few commenters who um, made comments like, you know, the hopefully the informants will shut their podcast down. I don't know about anybody else, but to be honest, my focus isn't to get them to shut down. I don't want any of them to shut down. I want them to keep talking. They're going to help people. They keep talking. I want them to keep telling their stories. I want them to keep forgetting their lies and just keep going. Because those who are smart, the defense team who is smart, the family members who are smart, the friends who are on top of it, they're going to take those episodes and they're going to hopefully help the defendants that were impacted in a negative way by the lies, by the inconsistency inconsistencies and by the falsities. So I want them to keep going. My goal here is not to shut not one of them down. I want them to keep going. Keep talking. Keep telling your tales. Because if you're lying, it's going to come out. If you're telling the truth, hey, keep telling the truth. You got nothing to worry about. But if you're lying, it's going to come out. And thankfully, we've uh, collected a lot of those lies and we're going to use them. And we are using them. So for the defendants that are impacted by certain informants, it's important that they keep talking. Let their channels keep growing. Let them keep talking whatever they want to talk. Who cares? You got to use that. The goal for me was never to get anybody shut down. The goal for me is to bring light to what they're talking about and to focus on the details and to focus on when they forget certain lies and then they try to change stories. That's, that's what I want. That's what I want to keep happening. I want them to keep going. So that's definitely not part of my cause. I don't want any of them shutting down. I want them to keep going. Hopefully they can help defendants down the road. Keep helping. Uh, they can help defendants even before an indictment comes out. If people are aware of indictment coming out, you know there's going to be certain informants on that case. Focus on that informant. Get their episodes. See what you can find. See if you can find lies. So the more they keep talking, if they are lying and they're spreading lies about people or they're abusing people, I told you there's a lot of ways they could be used. Even when they get nasty and their true colors shine through and they want to convince everybody they're uh, a different person and, and they're, they found God or whatever it may be, the new path that they're on, they have their moments where they snap. And you need to show that. And why that's important is because the government always tries to paint the defendants as somebody who could snap. Somebody who, yeah, they may have a good side, but look at their bad side. Okay, well, now you have this informant testifying against them. Look at their good side, and now I'm going to show you their bad side. And this is just their bad side on what they do on social media. Imagine what they do when nobody's looking, when nobody knows what they're up to. That's how I would paint it. So my only message is keep talking. That's all I got to say on that. This other go-to move I noticed that a lot of informants do is... um. They'll focus on trying to define who's a rat and what somebody made did is a rat. And I already told you the the insanity I believe that is when you have an informant using the word rat and calling somebody else a rat. I'll never understand that. Maybe I'm not smart enough to understand that, but I'll never understand that. They should use that, lose that terminology. 
And if you notice, when I come on here, I don't get into the whole rat thing. I try to use informants and lying informants because that's my focus when they lie. They're going to be an informant, fine. That may be against what I believe in. It's irrelevant. What I believe in is irrelevant. I'm not here to convince everybody, anybody to believe what I believe. But what I do think is very important and vital, if you are going to be an informant, at the very least, you need to tell the truth. You can't be a lying informant. When you're a lying informant, you're just a liar. Because you're not informing on anything because it's not true. So you're just lying. You're making up stories. That's what I focus on. And, and a lot of these informants are going and they're trying to say, well, this one's a rat, that one's a rat. They use that term loosely. Now, here's the bottom line of it all. The informants of focus for my cause are either uh, directly related to things I've been working on, to cases, uh, personally related to people I care about, and they have a platform on YouTube. Or they've been on interviews, or they've done podcasts, and they're spreading lies and they're saying nasty things. They put themselves in that position. They did not do what they told the court they were going to do. You have to realize something. When each one of them testified in court, not one of them ever said, well, after this is over, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to tell all my tales. I'm going to sell merchandise with my name on it, with my show's name on it. I'm going to make money off of that. I'm going to make money off of stories, telling tales about people. That's what I'm going to do. No, 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 no. You'll never find any of that in any trial transcript. What do they say? I just want to start over. I want to build a new life. Basically, I want to ride off into the sunset. Okay, but you're not doing that. You want to be in the limelight. So when you're in the limelight, people are going to call you out for that. You start lying to people, the majority of the public, they get insulted when somebody lies to them. They don't want to be lied to. They want to align with you based on the truth, not based on lies. So when they find out you're lying, it's going to be a problem. And people are going to expose those lies and let the general public and the viewers know exactly what they're dealing with. If you have a problem with that, then maybe you should have rethought your future occupational dreams. Maybe it should have been something a little more low-key. Go start a business somewhere. I know they all talk about how business savvy they are. Okay, go start a business somewhere. Open up a business. Go do that. Unless you could put up with it. If you're fine with it, then ride it out. But don't be complaining all the time about it. Don't be, why are they focusing on me? Why are they making fun of me? Why are they coming out of me? Well, you're on a public platform. You're on YouTube and you are telling lies that people are catching about family members, about defendants, about people they care about. So you're going to get somebody to stand up and say, this is not true, that's not true, this is inaccurate, that's not... It's going to happen. If you didn't anticipate that's going to happen, then you just don't know how YouTube works. And that's honestly why I have a problem with a lot of podcasts. And this is my own personal thing. I'm not knocking anybody because who am I? It's my opinion. So take it for what it's worth. It's just my opinion. But this is why I have a problem and I don't interact with podcasters who also platform informants because that's an internal moral uh, moral guideline that I adhere to. It doesn't matter if the informant didn't impact my family. That would be selfish of me. So, oh what? I'll only not I'll only interact with those who don't platform an informant that somehow was directly related to something I was working on or a cause I cared about. I'd be a hypocrite. So I have to make a blanket rule. And the way I look at it is my family's no more important than anybody else's. 
So if they're platforming informants, they're platforming somebody who's responsible for ruining a family simply because they couldn't be accountable. And now people want to say, oh, well, they're putting away bad people. Okay, well, if that's how you want to look at it, the informants were involved with these bad people that you want to say, quote unquote, bad people. Okay, they were involved with them. They lived that life when things were good. The only time it went sour was when things went bad. When something happened they didn't agree with. And they'll all use their own justification. But the bottom line is something happened they didn't agree with. Guess what? That's life. How many things happen to all of us that we don't agree with and we have to press on? But no, they, they have a magic spell that they could cast at any time. And that magic, magic spell is called, okay, I'm going to be an informant now. And this way I don't have to be accountable for anything I've done and uh, I can wash my hands with it. Because I don't agree with something, so I'm going to make others take the fall for crimes I may have done. And I don't want to be accountable for my crimes, so let others be accountable for their crimes. I'm going to get away scot-free, but let the other ones have to pay their debt to society. Again, ref deflecting and not being accountable. And I, I just find it amusing how they all seem to spiral when they get a little bit of attack, when a pushback is happening, when people are talk, bringing up inconsistencies, when people are making fun of them, whatever it may be. To me, I always look at it what's worse, being made fun of or being put in a way for something you didn't do, for lies being told against you. And there's families attached to all these different people that somebody informed on regardless of the podcast, if an informant is doing a podcast, they're an informant for a reason. They told on somebody. So somebody's life was impacted by their stories, by them telling. And then they don't seem to be conscious of that. And they don't need to accept that for some reason or another. I don't know if it's ego. I don't know what it is, but they just don't want to make peace with that. They brought a lot of this on themselves. They exposed themselves to this. They wanted to come out. They expected to be celebrities. And they are with a lot of these fans. A lot of these fans are diehard. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're really diehard. So they did build a fan base. They have their fans. You figure they would be happy with that. No, they can't have anybody opposing them. They can't have anybody looking down on them. Anybody calling out their lies. They can't have anybody who doesn't agree with what they did where somebody just has a very black and white line and says, you're an informant, I don't agree with it, I can't like you for being one. They can't handle that. And hopefully as time goes by and people start doing podcasts, I'm actually talking to a few friends and family that I know, uh, mostly friends that want to do a podcast that's been impacted by informants, and I'm trying to guide them on how to do it. And, and I believe there's a bit of an art to it. You don't want to come up here and devalue your message by just creating a soapbox and blasting rats when you're trying to get a message across because it could turn into white noise. So you have to have some context. And you got to have good content. And you got to, for me anyway, an argument is much more viable when it's legitimized, legitimized with significant citations, experiences, or things that can be noted, whereas fact is compared to fiction. So there's a few people who came my way, and I'm going to try to help them out, and hopefully it will continue on this whole pushback um, area that's, that's kind of happening with, with some podcasters.
And that's why I'll continue to say I, I enjoy and I like and I align with Mob Rats Exposed. The guy, to me, he cracks me up. I find his humor funny. Maybe it's not for everybody, but I, I think it's funny. But what it's important is he's bringing to light inconsistencies that he just sees based on what's out there, not even based on trial records, just on what they put out there themselves, whether it's Instagram posts, interviews they've done. He's making notations of what he sees and then looking at it and saying, okay, how does this compare and contrast? Let me turn that into some humor and let me explore that. I align with that. I like the style. It's not my style. I have a totally different style. I could like different styles with the same exact tone. And the same theme, when you boil it down, is it's exposing lies. It's exposing people who are lying about others, lying about themselves. That's the same theme. And that's a good thing. Especially if they're getting, uh, they're appealing to the public and they're building a fan base. The fans deserve to know who they're dealing with. Now, some just don't want to hear it. Uh, They'll cover their eyes, they'll close their ears, and they'll just preach how much they love them and how great they are. And that's fine. That's life. That's how it goes. But for the ones who may be on the fence, once they have their eyes opened up a little bit or, or, or new information is disclosed to them, perhaps they'll change their opinion. It all depends on what they align with personally. Are they more attracted to tales? Are they attracted to truths? And then they could sift through it all and find out who lies where and who's doing what. So I just wanted to do that. Uh, this episode. Uh, the main focus was really how to use the comments that I spoke about, the negative comments by the public, how, how a defense team could use that to help their defendant. And I think that's one of the only, only ways that I see possible at this point, especially being there's really no vetting process for the jurors. There's no educational process. In an ideal world, I would love for like a two-day seminar for jurors where you explain jury nullification, you explain reasonable doubt, you explain how it's not illegal for somebody to be a member of a secret society. I would have a whole agenda of items. And I'm working on a group. I I opened the group on Facebook. It's called Jura Education. And I have some ideas for that group when I do get the time where it it will almost be a mini seminar. It'll be a go-to, a resource for potential jurors and and members of the public to go and read information, see some videos, anything and everything to make them a uh, more prepared, more informed juror. And in conjunction with this podcast and other outlets, they could really prep themselves properly for jury duty, for those who want to take it seriously. So I have a few ideas for that. But again, it's a time factor. I have to see when I have time for what. Uh, with business, you always have something new. Every day you have a new adventure you have to solve or a new problem you have to solve, I should say, or a new adventure you have to undertake. Or if you're onboarding clients, you have to do with that. There's always something. Uh, Marketing, there's always something to do. So I try to fit in these little side projects where I can. A lot of it comes to me late at night when I can't sleep. Uh, I always have a hard time sleeping. (laughs) So uh, that's when I try to work on those other side projects. And I think overall, little by little, a difference can be made even if it's on a small scale. And that's really all I have to say for today. I wish everybody well. Oh, one thing I wanted to address that was positive and just goes to show how sometimes you connect with people. I had a commenter. Uh, me and this gentleman always went back and forth and he actually uh, contacted me on Instagram. 
uh, trying to help, trying to, and I don't want to get into details because I don't like to put people's business out there. But the bottom line is he's trying to help any way he can. He's trying to help uh, with uh, uh, the case, with my father's case. He's trying to help just get attention to it. And can't even tell you how much that's appreciated when you see strangers ex extending an olive branch with no expectations and nothing in, in turn and just wanting to help. That says a lot about character. And I have a lot of respect for people like that. And I want to thank that person on here as well. And I want to thank all of the positive emails. And I want to thank the people that's stuck with this cause from day one and has never wavered and just continue to get the word out. Everybody sharing the book, everybody sharing the channel really means a lot. Thank you to each and every one of you, the commenters who tell their friends about it, who comment about it. I see people in live chats commenting about the book people tweeting the book, people tweeting my tweets. It all really means a lot. I don't know what else to tell you. It really means a lot. It, it, it's appreciated more than you really will know because it's very unexpected. I'm the type of guy I'm used to doing a lot of things myself. I always, I'm the type of guy, give me the ball. I'll, I'll, I'll do what I have to do. Let me, let me get to that end zone. I've always been that type of guy. I like to be the one doing it. So when I have other people reaching out, family, friends, uh, at somebody, a cousin, they change their Instagram profile to be a picture of their book, their Facebook to be a picture of the book, Guilt for the Guiltless. All those things are appreciated and they all have a cumulative effect of bringing attention to the subject that I care about. And I can't thank each of you enough. And in ways that I can help and show support, I'm always going to do that. That's just my, my character. That's why I like to show I appreciate those things, and I, and I like to tell people they're appreciated, and I like to give credit where credit's due. People deserve credit. Even if they don't want it, they deserve that acknowledgement. That simple thank you goes a long way. So with that, thank you, and until next time. You've been listening to the Justice Tech Pros Podcast with Dominic Crea, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, discussing the obstacles the defense team faces when trying a case, what goes on behind the scenes during pretrial and motion phase, holding defense attorneys accountable, making sure they're fighting for their clients, the difference between textbook law and how things truly play out in a courtroom, and everything in between. And everything in between. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show and we'll be back soon until then find us on twitter facebook and instagram at justice tech pros to email the show with questions and comments it's podcast at justice tech pros.com till next time this is justice tech pros podcast and dominic crea signing off